This Tailgate Society podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Deadeye Premium Barbecue Products. Born in Iowa and made in the heartland, Deadeye is your go-to source for everything barbecue. Sauces, seasonings, you name it. They've made a science out of great grilling flavor. It's more than a sauce. Whether you're cooking sliders, dogs, steak, or chicken, Deadeye has the explosive flavor needed to make every dish delicious. Try a splash of their sweet and smoky original recipe or turn up the heat with their Magnum Edition barbecue sauce. Both flavors are available in seasonings as well as sauces. So pick your favorite and prepare your taste buds for an unforgettable eating experience. Deadeye Premium Barbecue products are available at Fairway, Hy-Vee, Amazon, or at DeadeyeBBQ.com. Hello and welcome to Culture Check, a a Tailgate Society podcast. Please check the TailgateSociety.com and subscribe to Tailgate Society podcasts. On Spotify and Apple Podcasts, I'm Arnold Woods, and I'm joined, as always, by Emily Cornell. Emily, what's going on? You know, living the dream. We have football happening. The NBA Finals are wrapping up, which is like a sad tear. But And for folks listening, we're recording on Sunday, and the Heat are getting worked by the Lakers um, in Game 6. So Yeah, I think the game is officially over now. Oof. So LA wins. I don't know what the final score is. I don't have to pull it up, but I, I mean, they had to have won by about 20 points. I'm guessing unless it's garbage time and the score got a little bit closer, but yeah. Um, 17th title for the Lakers. First title for Anthony Davis, fourth for LeBron. We can go down the list, but yeah. Um, Lakers are the champions. So another, it's interesting to see um, we're, you know, in the midst of, Every other week, or I guess every week with the NFL, they're canceling games, they're rescheduling stuff, or they're, they're postponing stuff. And the, the, the NFL, and to a lesser extent, uh, college football, just kind of, it's kind of all over the place because of travel, I would guess, you know, traveling and using airplanes or, or whatever, you know, just not being isolated. It, it's just, you know, the, the virus is kind of wreaking havoc on that league. And, you know, we're just now in the end of the line for the NBA, which, you know, famously in the bubble, no positive tests the entire time. So it's different sports. It's different. They happen in different environments, obviously, but it's, it's pretty striking the difference between, you know, the completion of the NBA and their relatively, um, smooth process for finishing their season versus the NFL, which is kind of in flux. And I don't know, would you guess, if you had to guess, would you think that the NFL will be able to continue their season or will they get shut down? Or what do you think about that? I think they won't get shut down because we live where we live and the NFL like leadership would not ever be like, we're going to shut down. So I think they're going to continue on and they're just going to keep being like, oh yeah, let's like reschedule or let's kind of, we'll make it happen no matter what. I I don't know what the solution could have been so that they could have avoided having so many positive tests. Like because they're not in a bubble environment, like that does make it more challenging. And I don't know. It, I think if we, it, there's so many like what ifs, like what if we had like just handled this better back in February? Like, 
but we can't like operate like that because we didn't. And so here we are. And the leadership of the league, I think places a higher value on generating revenue and making sure that people are watching and the fact that they're having even people in the stands, which I understand how sports work and that's how revenue is generated for um, like different clubs, but I don't know. It's, abs- it's absurd. Yeah. It's absurd. It, yeah. It's one of those things that I'm like, ah, oh, man, like if only this was a league that was generating millions of dollars every year and like you could have a, you know, a safety net. Like if only that had happened. Um, yeah. So that was a long answer to say, I think that the NFL will not <laughs> be canceled or, you know, postpone anything. I think they'll continue to postpone games, but they're going to continue on. And I think according to the schedule they've laid out. It's, it's interesting. And we're, we're going to start talking about these albums, but just to, make whatever segue I can into that. Um, you know, it's listening to these albums from, you know, 25 plus years ago, it's impossible to think, not to think about like the current moment in the current environment yeah. that we're in versus, you know, the environment that those, that music was released. And so many things were, were, were different back then, but um, yeah, I, I, I think that to go along a little bit with what what we were just talking about with sports. I mean, the way that we're viewing sports is informed by the times that we're living in and the priorities that we have in terms of, so like for me, I was just talking to my friend about this. Like, this is like, I'm just not as engaged as I used to be in, in watching these sports. I'm not as invested in them. Um, I'm just not as, it's not as important to me as it, as it, as it was. And I think that kind of parsing our feelings about it. And, and you and I were talking before we started recording about like the NBA and, um, viewership numbers and, um, you know, just it, this, this moment is, is so consuming. And when you talk about, you know, companies prioritize prioritizing revenue over public safety and things like that. I just think that it just kind of disconnects me from what I thought was more important, I guess, before the virus happened. Does that kind of make any sense to you? Do you kind of feel the same way or? I guess I just assumed that people like ultimately would want to operate in the best interest of the group or society as a whole. And I get when it's like something more minor, maybe than a pandemic, people might be like, well, like this isn't as major. So we can like, look at for our own interests. Like, I don't think that's great, but I'm like, okay, well I get that you're doing that. Yeah. But in the face of like, you know, all hell breaking loose and we're still like, "Mm, yeah, money. Like, Oh, (laughs) okay. What a world. What a time. Yeah. So it was interesting. Um, This is a good segue into like one of the albums you picked because it did have like very um, like social justice vibes or like social awareness and engagement. Um, So listening to it, 
And also considering everything going on, I'm like, man, like things have not changed in 30 years. (laughs) Like it's like same shit, different pile. Yeah, for sure. I definitely wanted to talk about that. The album you're referring to, of course, is Music Box by Mariah. No, I'm playing. It is, uh, <laughs> it's, it's Rhythm Nation. Yeah, so we're, we're doing um, albums from the year that we were each born. I was born on April 2nd, 1989, and you were born when, Emily? June 1st of 93. So we're doing two albums from 1989 and two albums from... 93. Would that make you this? You're not a Gemini, are you? Is that it? I am. Wow. Do you have the dual personalities like a Gemini or is that like, I mean, are, are you into the <laughs> Zodiac stuff or? I don't know enough about like any other signs and I don't know a lot about my sign. I just know what it is. And I'm just like, when I talk to people and they're like, what's your sign? I'm like this. And they're like, oh, that makes sense. I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, do you do the Enneagram or Myers-Briggs? Because those are what I understand. Yeah, I know, yeah, I know the Enneagram too, kind of, vaguely. I don't, I, my sister is June 20th, so that's how I knew that it was. Gotcha. I, it was around then, and I don't know shit about mine. I'm an Aries, and my coworker is very into that type of thing, and she told me once, like, you're an Aries, but you don't act like an Aries. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> is that the one that's a goat? Yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> Goat or a ram or something. I think it's the first one. Like in the calendar, it's the first sign. I don't know. This isn't an astrology podcast. No, it's we'll get, definitely we'll not. get into that something else. <laughs> but yeah, so we did from 1989, the two albums that I selected are Rhythm Nation or the full titles like Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation, 1814. Uh, of course, by Janet Jackson. And then Three Feet High and Rising by De La Soul. And then your albums from 1993, you selected Enter the Wu-Tang yep. by Wu-Tang Clan, or Enter the 36 Chambers, also what it's called, and then Music Box by Mariah Carey. So this was, this was a really interesting experience listening to these albums. This is like, you know, these are all kind of like classic albums yeah. from this period. Um, I'm 31 and you, you're 27. Yeah, I doing? Yeah, 27. So for th- these past, like you know, 30, just over 30 years, these are four of you know the most popular albums in those genres in in their respective genres. So this was pretty, pretty cool. I I think to to listen to these. I we can talk about Rhythm Nation first, but I wanted to ask you, like, as you were looking through. 1993 albums were there any other albums you considered or like what made you choose these two i chose um enter the wu-tang because i think i listened to a good amount of like rap and hip-hop and it's not my primary music selection but i listened to it enough that i'm like i should listen to like artists who influence who i listen to now and plenty of people reference the wu-tang clan and I tried watching the show on Hulu about them. It was very violent, so I turned it off because um, <laughs> yeah. I remain very soft. Um, but I, like, I'm super interested in it. And like, it was, I was like, I should listen to this. I should learn more. Just like about music that shapes music that I listen to, and that like kind of goes with Mariah Carey, where um, I very much like. Ariana Grande, Lady Gaga, um, 
like these Lizzo women who are just very not that really Lizzo I think Mariah Carey and Lizzo but um just like women within music that are just like they're here they're making music that people like and they like them and they um are just like icons within music and so like Mariah Carey is that (laughs) like Mariah Carey has been so popular forever I don't think I've been a lot like there hasn't been a point where I've been alive where people aren't like oh yeah Mariah Carey and I'm like yeah okay so um it just so happened to work out that Music Box came out in 93 um being confined within that one year it was kind of limiting and and like as much as I wanted to listen to Nirvana and talk about that with you, um, I didn't. So. Okay. Yeah. 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 What did, what made you choose these two albums and did you consider other albums? I really didn't. It was kind of slim pickings. Yes. Yep. 89. I, um, there was like, um, when I was looking it up, I was kind of, just you know you look through like best albums of the year or whatever um in different lists and things like that and there was stuff like i think there was like a cure album that was really popular um you know i i knew i was doing janet i knew i was yeah. doing this one because i'm a big janet jackson fan and i'll talk a little bit about that but after that i was i didn't i don't know i've i've i'm familiar with de la soul i'm familiar with this album i haven't listened i'd never listened to it all the way through until last week but i you know i i didn't want to do a hip hop album i wanted to do a different type of album but when i was looking at the other albums that were released this year i didn't want to do like beastie boys pa- paul's boutique was also Ooh. released um in 89 and that's another like you know, Hall of Fame hip hop album. But I just didn't I, I didn't want to do it. I wanted to do a different genre. But like the other genre albums that came out that year, I just really wasn't interested in listening to them. So I picked Three Feet High and Rising because and at, it it sounds bad to say, well it was like, you know, it was my last choice or whatever, but I just didn't want to do a rap album. Yeah. Because I mean this is, you know, like again in the pantheon of classic rap albums this is this is one of them but i'm excited to talk about it though because i i think that there's a lot to talk about with that album but why don't we start with rhythm nation if that's cool yeah um what did you i have some thoughts about just i have some thoughts about the album and then like the time period it was released but like what did you think about listening to the album were you familiar with this album at all are you from like what i mean obviously you're she's one of the most famous musicians of the past 30 years. Yes. <laughs> but what do you, what is your relationship to Janet Jackson's music, I guess? I have listened to more of her like recent, like if it's on, if it's been on the radio, like I've listened to it and I like, I like Janet Jackson. Her music's very like dancey and upbeat and um, it's fun. Like Janet Jackson's music is just very fun. I enjoy it. Um, and so like listening to Rhythm Nation, like, I enjoyed one that it was pretty upbeat and um, like I could listen to it and like be doing something and like enjoy what I'm listening to, but also like the message of it. I was like, man, this is dope. Not only is this like, it doesn't sound like a bummer of like the world is awful. We need to make it better. Like it is, you could, you could get away with playing it at like a party 
And people would be like, oh, what is this? And it's like, oh, it's Janet Jackson. And she has a message for you in this. So I loved that about this. Yeah, it's kind of in the lineage of the the protest album that you can also jam to. Yeah. And the number one that I think of when I when I think about that is What's Going On by Marvin Gaye, you know, which is regarded as one of the greatest albums, maybe the greatest album ever made. And it's a protest album about the Vietnam War. And it's like a concept album album told from the perspective of someone coming home from the Vietnam War to America and seeing how, you know, fucked up America is and kind of coming to grips with that, which is pretty heavy stuff. Yeah. And yet, like, you know, it's just it's an album you can also groove to because of the, you know, the production uh, and the the music of the of the Funk Brothers and then, you know, James Jamerson playing bass. And it's just in just an incredible, you know, just album to vibe to and, and groove to and you can dance to, but it also has this important messaging. And so that's definitely what Rhythm Nation is. And this is a popular album. Like this is one of the most, one of the best-selling albums of the of the 90s, really, because it was released in, in 89. I believe it was released in like September of 89. Let me look. Uh, yeah, September yeah. Of, of 89. And... It's the only album I saw this that it has it had a number one single in three different calendar years. So in 89, 90, and 91, mm-hmm. there were number one out al- number one singles from the same album. And so it made me think of listening to this album reminded me of listening to 8701, which we did a couple weeks ago. Yeah. In terms of just like so many bangers on one album. But this is like if 8701 didn't have any bad songs, basically. <laughs> yeah. Like this one is like this um, was just in, incredible to listen to. And I'm, I was I was familiar with this album. I knew a lot of it. I don't think that I ever sat down and listened to it straight through like this before. But, you know, 70 percent of the songs on this album I'd already heard. And I, you know, I loved. So um, we'll get into the categories at the end of the at the end of the show obviously but like these songs man like miss you much is one of my favorite songs ever it's my maybe my favorite janet song um you know uh escapade and then love will never do without you it's just just banger after banger and this kind of what did you think of like the the style of it so it's kind of this like industrial like pop yeah type where you know really high sounding snare drums and 808s and it's it's sounds like it's recorded inside of a factory or a warehouse and um but there's also it's very dancey it's very um and it's versatile too cuz you have you have some of the songs like a like an escapade and a love will never do without you they sound very similar but then you have a song like black cat which is just like a a ladies rock song yes it's um, so good. <laughs> yeah, so like what did you what did you think about the style of the music I guess on this album? I am one of the people who like enjoys 80s music. Like I know I think that's a hot take people are like no the 80s it's like, I don't I don't understand the complaints. I'm just like no, like 80s music you can like listen to and like dance to and like it doesn't make you you don't sit and listen to it like you sit and listen to I don't really want to like crap on Nirvana it's not that I'm against Nirvana I like them but like it's not an like no Nirvana album I'm just gonna sit and like listen to when I want to 
you know, clean my house and like get things done and just like also have something really pleasant to listen to. Um, and like Rhythm Nation has like a lot of that like 80s sound and it just, I think it really shows like Janet Jackson is super talented. Like, yeah, I mean, it's a given, like she's an incredible entertainer. Um, but she like helped write a lot of these songs and like put a lot into it and did all the vocals. And I'm just like, man, there was so much work put into this album by her alone that I'm so impressed by it. And then to have like such a, a good sound, it's like a fairly long album. Um, where it like, it fits, it all fits together, even though the different songs, um, have different feels like to get to black cat where it does have like that rock very rock sound i'm like oh man like this doesn't seem out of place here so it was it's an adventure but it's a good one and like there's so much variety without it seeming like she's trying too much to like sound too like to have that variety it just it, it fits you touched on some things that I, I also wanted to kind of dive a little deeper on in terms of like, you know, the way the album works towards, you know, it makes sense that a song like Black Cat is near the end of the album. Like it's kind of working towards that. And, you know, we've talked a little bit about, again, going back to 8701, um, kind of the the Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis effect, who, you know, those are the producers of the new edition record that kind of sounded like that one song on 8701. Mm-hmm. And they also, they produced Control, Janet's album before this. And then they also were heavy producing into, into Rhythm Nation. And they were there. I've, I've listened to, have you ever heard, have you ever heard um, Questlove's podcast? Questlove no. Supreme. I didn't know he had a podcast. He does. It's really good. And he's, he's interviewed, I mean, he interviews like um, musicians mostly, and then also, you know, some actors and various people from different entertainment industries, but he's mostly, it's mostly um, him and his co-hosts interviewing music people. And he had a really long interview with, with Jimmy Jam. That was incredible. And he talked about working on control and working on this album. But one of the things that Jimmy Jam mentioned was talking about, you know, Janet was really an influence on Michael Jackson in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And, you know, doing this record, like, like Mike listened to this record and was like, okay, I kind of want to do something like this. And then, you know, he does Dangerous, which comes out in like 92, I think. And is, you know, so this album is like, it's industrial pop. It's like New Jack Swing as well. And like Michael does that a little bit on dangerous so you can there's definitely a through line to that album to the dangerous album it's like he listened to this and was like okay i want to do my version of that and it's when you talk about like the socially con the socially conscious aspect of the album i thought that that was i wanted to talk about that a little bit because you know like you said uh, at the top of the episode there's a lot of stuff that hasn't changed and it's really it's really cool to to listen to Janet kind of taking on some of those issues, like the issues mm-hmm. of that day of the late eighties, early nineties. Um, you know, a lot of it is you know the AIDS virus, mm-hmm. which was still such a big unknown to people at that time. I guess by eighty nine, it was kind of um, it was more was known about it than certainly like the mid eighties when 
um, I, I think about the movie like Dallas Buyers Club, where it's that's the movie that McConaughey won the Oscar for. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's have you seen that movie? I have not. I've heard good things about it. It is in that category of it might be intense and I need to yeah. not watch it now. <laughs> it's good. It's really good. But yeah, it is. It is intense in some places. But like, you know, he he contracts HIV and when he gets he gets tested for it or whatever and he he like he like passes out one day at work and then he goes to the hospital and they tell him that he has HIV and like the doctors are like wearing masks like the you know like we are now basically like surgical masks because i mean back then they basically thought that HIV was like COVID. They thought that you'd get it from like touching someone or, you know, someone sneezing on you or you kissing someone. Like that's how you, people thought that AIDS spread back then or they just didn't know. And so you get fast forward, like that movie takes place in like 82 or 83, maybe I don't, I don't even know. But like by 89, you know, there's a little bit more known in terms of people primarily know it's a sexually transmitted disease, but it was so at the forefront of the consciousness back then in the way that, you know, in, in, in sort of a way that COVID is now, obviously COVID is so much more overwhelming and I've, you know, people know how easily transmittable it is now, but like back then that was kind of like the COVID of its time on a, on a smaller level in terms of the importance of it, you know, in the national consciousness. And so I thought, I just thought it was interesting, like her tackling those issues and then like, kind of there's this thing in the in the 90s where it's very much in the the pre-internet days it's very like everyone got their information from tv and in one of the early songs like you hear her like flipping through a tv and like flipping through the news and hearing like all these horrible news stories or whatever about like drug addiction and or hiv or you know whatever it is and that's just such a, a interesting parallel to now, where you whereas now we just get all of our bad news from Twitter or you know our updates on our iPhones, our Apple News updates, or whatever else it is. Um, there's a, a line in the song "Scream," this the song that she does with Michael Jackson in '95, and it's like you know, um, oh my God, I can't believe what I saw as I turned on the TV this evening. I was disgusted by all the injustice. And that's very much at this time, this time where it's just like every, every day. And it's, it's still now to a lesser extent, obviously it's, you know, every night you turn on the news and it's something bad, but more of us get our information from the internet versus TV. And back then it was very much like TV is going to rot your brain. And, you know, TV is where you get all your bad news, but it's, I just thought that was kind of an interesting um, comparison to now. Did you kind of catch that at all too? Um, a little bit. Um, I guess I wasn't thinking about it necessarily like that, just more, I don't know, like she, it feels like she's just like observing and being like, okay, this is just like not great. But I get, I didn't, because I didn't think about it in the context of like the AIDS epidemic that just kind of that that changes how I'm thinking about it now also yeah I just think that it was like so like in the consciousness so much 
Yeah. And it informed a lot of the music that was being made, certainly, as well. Yeah. And that, and like, I know that, like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, the AIDS epidemic was huge in, like, the 80s. And, like, and it's interesting speaking to, like, older people who were like, oh, yeah, like, I remember in the 80s when this was, like, a huge issue. And maybe that's why they're like, ah, COVID's not a huge deal. Um, But it yeah wow like the kind of the parallel is there in terms of just like we're getting the new like no matter what we're going to get news it's bad news it's not like we're gonna hear or see like and even at that time it wasn't like the news was trying to be like here are all the good things because not to not that they want to stay like they want to put people in fear mm-hmm. But, like, for whatever reason, people are happy watching, like, unhappy news or consuming, like, doom scrolling of the 80s. Like, right. so, so that makes sense that, like, she would be talking about, like, oh, everything is just, like, not great when I, like, watch the news. And um, I'm sure now, like, we feel like being on the internet will rot your brain. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> it, well, Yeah. Very relevant. She can make another one just like this right now. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's, you know, I your comment about like, yeah, doom scrolling of the 80s. Like it's, I, I think it's spot on. And obviously like I wasn't, you know, I'm a child of the 90s. Um, that's, you know, I remember watching TV in the 90s and, um, you know, I look back at that time. I think people look back at it now. It's just, it's funny because it's the stuff I was watching in the nineties when they were like making nostalgia pieces. It was about like the seventies or the sixties, mm-hmm. but now in, in 2020, like people are nostalgic for the nineties and I like remember the nineties. So it's just kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I, so I, I came up in a, in an era that was kind of post that, you know, post, being super afraid of AIDS, um, but still, you know, very much like say no to drugs and, and that type of thing. So, and, and, and certainly being informed by celebrities using their celebrity to further different, you know, social causes, which obviously continues today, just in a different form. So it was just kind of cool to revisit an era where it was just done in a different way due to, you know, technology and our, our culture. Yeah, I thought that was cool, and it was good that she does talk about like saying no to drugs, um, because like also Ronald Reagan and his war on drugs. That I'm, I'm sure there's like deeper meaning in the lyrics when she's talking about like not doing drugs to somehow address that. But, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was it. It's very cool and. like interesting to see how she was leveraging her celebrity back then. Um, Cause like when I was reading about this album, she was like, like putting it together where it, you, as soon as you start listening to the album, like, you know, that it is making a commentary. It's a social commentary about like social injustices. And then it like gets to like, you get a good way through and it's like, okay, you know, that that's where she stands. Like, you know how she feels. You you know that she's pushing for like a better future 
but it's like, okay, like this is going to be dance music. Like you're going to want to listen to this music. And so that was like just another interesting aspect to how she was pushing that message. It's not like she could tweet about it. Yeah. Yeah. But she, so that's a good point too. Cause it's like, she's definitely like a leader though. Yeah. Like in, in entertainment. And so now, you know, instead of people, a bunch of her having a bunch of followers on Twitter, like at that time, it's just more like people reading magazines about her and looking for, you know, interviews. Again, back then you couldn't just pull up a YouTube video of her being interviewed, but like watching the news, watching her, you know, in the nineties, she started getting into movies more with, with movies like Poetic Justice. And she was in another professional movie and, um, sequel later on in the nineties and stuff like that. But, but for sure. And, and like, you know, just looking at her image, the imagery of the album with her on the album cover and the, you know, the black outfit, black, you know, sleek black suit type, you know, almost military style with the black hat on. And yeah. So it's just, so it's, it's, I see it kind of as the next stage in her evolution. Whereas, you know, an album like control, which was her, you know, that was like her second or third album, I think, but she, you know, had broke from her previous management and I love that album. And that album is just like a, a, it's a thesis statement, basically. It's a, it's a mission statement. It's her saying like, I'm in control now. And she says that like explicitly in that song uh, on the title track of the, of the album, but it's just like, you know, I'm in control of my image. I'm in control of my career of my sexuality of you know of whatever like i'm in control now like no it's not my parents it's not my management like i'm making the decision i chose jimmy jam and terry lewis to produce this album like i'm in control and so like the next stage of that is her like saying you know it's rhythm nation like we're going to create our own nation of like equality and we're going to tackle these social issues and we're going to i'm going to be the leader of this nation so as I, all of it is just really, really dope to me. And she's one of my favorite artists. So It's interesting you talk about the album cover. Do you remember when Beyonce performed at the Super Bowl a couple of years ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah this yeah. is like, yeah. that's what it mm-hmm. makes me think of. Yeah, and you know, she's obviously, she was super influenced by Janet. And yeah. I remember seeing a couple of years ago, actually for Halloween, she dressed as Janet from the Rhythm Nation era and had the entire, you know, the entire get up on I would I'll you can Google that Google Beyonce Rhythm Nation Janet and I'm sure you'll find it so yeah that's not even surprising because I mean Beyonce talks about how like Michael Jackson's influenced her so of course Janet Jackson has influenced her and oh let's talk about three feet high and rising yeah so that was an interesting pick and like you explained that like it was um like you didn't want to do another rap album, but like this didn't seem like a typical rap album. Yeah. Yeah, this is so again, I'll go back to Questlove um and on his podcast, but he's he's you know, he references this album a lot and um the importance of it and if you look at like reviews of the album at that time people are saying like this doesn't sound like a rap album like it's it's it was pretty radical to release an album like this and i kind of if we can i kind of want to talk about this and enter the wu-tang kind of like together almost yeah because they're both new york artists yes yes yeah And, and like the concept of like new york rap 
And, you know, historically, I think, you know, hip hop originates in, you know, the Bronx in the late seventies. And so by this time, by 89, rap has gone through multiple different stages, I guess, multiple stages. So starting with like stuff like Sugar Hill Gang and, you know, Rapper's Delight or um, Rhapsody with, um, you know, Blondie and uh, just like really, really early stuff in the late seventies, early eighties. And then you get to like the mid eighties with like Run DMC and LL Cool J and, you know, and again, all of these are like New York people. And, you know, listening to this album, it's very like, and Enter the Wu-Tang too, obviously, but it's just like, you can hear their accents, like really thick New York accents. And, um, you know, we, it's so, rap is so global now. And so, you know, I would, I would argue that the the epicenter of rap at this point is more like Atlanta. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for the first, you know, 15 years or so of rap music, it's like very New York centric. And, um, you know, obviously in, in the early to mid nineties, you start to get like West coast hip hop with, you know, death row and, um, barrier people like, you know, too short and, um, Mac Dre and those, in in those dudes, but like, this is, it's very, the concept of like New York rap, it's, this is like, kind of like the third phase of hip hop. And I think that. What's so interesting about this album is like rap is like a young man's art form, you know, Uh, a a young, especially at this time, especially like more male, like a young man's. And, and, you know, hope, you know, now, thankfully it's, um, I mean, there's still a lot of gender inequity in rap, but like um, it's, it's a lot better now than it was then, but you know, Rap is a is a young person's art form, and I don't know. Did I mention that quote from Andre Three Thousand on here? I can't remember if I did it or not. But like, there was an interview with Andre Three Thousand, and he was talking about that. He was like, "It's a, it's like boxing, like rap is like boxing. Like no matter how good you are, eventually you you lose your skills." And so, you know, he's kind of dealing with that now as someone who's older in rap, someone who's in his forties now. But, you know, we did, you know, Aquemini and he's in his early 20s. Yeah. And and listening to Three Feet High and Rising and Enter the Wu-Tang, it's like a bunch of young dudes and there's such, a, there's such an urgency to the, the, the music, to their lyrics. And Enter the Wu-Tang is their first album, I believe. Um, and Three Feet High and Rising is De La Soul's second album. But it's just these early albums, these like really... Um. Oh no! It's Three Feet High Rising is their first album, so it's it's these um these young dudes who are just like fighting and clawing to get their music out. And for De La, I think when you when you mention how it's it doesn't it's kind of an atypical record. Like to me, I see it as them kind of entering the next phase of rap, which is like experimental and taking rap into different places and and doing things that hadn't been done before and sounds that hadn't been done before. So that was my long soliloquy on that. I know I've been rambling, Um, but what did, 
what did, what did you think about it when you were listening to it? I really enjoyed it. It was um like like I said, I, I wasn't expecting it to be like this because like I looked it up and I'm like, oh, it'll be like rap and hip hop. Um it and like comparing it to, you know, Wu Tang, it's like I don't want to say it's like softer. It's like more like fun and and um like they're still talking about significant issues but not in the same way. Um and and it makes it even like a little more strange to me where I'm like, "Oh, like you you're operating the same like time and space-ish as a group like the Wu-Tang Clan and it's just like it's just not the same and I I feel like um, De La Soul is like a a group that I would like I would seek out. I'd be like, oh yeah, I'd like want to listen to them, and I'd go see them. I feel like they would be at like an ACL or a Coachella. Um, it, it's like I'm sure like most people's parents who like rap are like, oh yeah, it's fine, and I would they would also listen to like Wu Tang Clan, but like people whose parents are like, I'm not super keen on it would be like, Oh yeah, I like this. Like, it's like cute, but not, um, like super aggressive. For sure. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of like, it's an alternative certainly to like, you know, not just gangster rap, but just like traditional rap. Yeah. They're just, they're kind of just, um there's a lot of non sequiturs and it's very you know it's it's very much from their experience they talk a lot about like stuff that happens when they're in school or you know just their everyday lives but it's to me it's just them trying to like make a statement about who they are but also trying to kind of go off the beaten path a little bit from what people are are, are typically listening to in terms of yeah. rap and what they expect from it which is like good and so it makes sense why it was like such a like highly praised album um and like why it's like pretty significant and how it and its role within like rap and hip hop so like that makes sense because it is kind of they're doing their own thing and that's good because they're expanding it and showing that there's like more that can be done. I don't know. I like that. It's just, it's fascinating too, that they're so young and and doing this. And again, I just, I feel like, you know, this is, this is a long album, but I yeah. feel like it's, 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 that's mostly born out of these, these three guys having, um, so much to say like this is our first one we've been writing raps for however long and we've been desperate to get our music out we've been desperate to get out the stuff that we're writing and just because we feel like it's so good and you know so you just put everything you throw you throw everything in the kitchen sink on this on this first album because you might not know if you're going to make a second one or not so you just you throw everything you can into this one and again they're doing there's a song where they it's just them whispering the entire time like there are these samples of this just super random stuff and yeah. it's uh yeah it's 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 all over the place but in a good way in a way that's just um it's really innovative it feels really innovative 
even now and the and the album is you know 31 years old so i think that's just a testament to how good it is yes and like so i have you heard of clipping i don't think so okay the it's an they're a rap group i and like they do like experimental rap and like that i don't love it i don't love all of it some of it's okay but like some of it i'm like i don't love this mm-hmm. um but so like listening to De La Soul, like that is what I think of. If someone says, hey, I'm going to like play some experimental rap, this is what I want to hear. Okay. <laughs> like, okay. This is like, ah, oh, yes. Like we're trying new things. We're like, you know, there's the song where it's like in French. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, yes, this, this is how we're going to like, kind of like not every song. I was like, yes, this is great. But I don't think I listened to a song that was like, ah, this isn't it. Um, so, yeah. Let's kind of, again, go keep keep the convo going and, and talk a little bit about Enter the 36 Chambers. Yes. Um, this is, again, this... It's just a, it's a, it's a Hall of Fame album. It's a Hall of it Fame is. hip-hop album. When we talk about, like, the most important albums in hip-hop, this is on the, on the top 10, 100%. Yes. And what do you, I guess, before I give my thoughts, what do you, what do you know about Wu-Tang Clan? Like, what do you, have you listened to their music before this? Like, what is you, what, what do you, what are your thoughts on, on the Wu-Tang Clan, I guess? Um, I have heard of them in different rap songs. So when different people rap about Wu-Tang Clan and then other people, like in pop culture, like Wu-Tang Clan is such like a pop culture thing to me. And before I'd even like heard them mostly because my parents are probably not going to let me listen to Wu-Tang Clan growing up. Like, even though my dad was like, Oh yeah, like listen to whatever, but like this would probably be like a very hard cutoff. Um, and like for good reason, I get it. Um, so yeah, that's like my, how familiar I am with them. And I've heard parts of their songs, but I've never like sat and listened to an album all the way through. And it's probably not like, it wasn't great because like, it is such a um, important album within like the history of hip hop. Like it's so like culturally significant and Wu-Tang Clan is also like, so many things. I was walking around my neighborhood and there was like, the president is temporary. Wu-Tang is forever. And I'm like, God, like, <laughs> I w- what? Did anyone think this would happen from like this, that like the one album that, that like when this album came out where they like, yep, this is going to be, they're going to be so culturally significant that like obscure things they touch. Like, I feel like a lot of artists don't even have that where you're just like, yeah, like let, Led Zeppelin, Queen. And I know those are like rock bands, but like it, you don't just casually see any of that out in the world and people just wearing shirts about like with other like cultural things smashed into it, you know? You make such a good point about them in the culture, like in the popular consciousness. Yes. And that's another reason why I thought it was cool to like revisit this album to like think about it's it's impossible to to listen to all these albums really and not think about where these people are in their careers now versus when these albums dropped and again when we talk about 
the Hungry debut album, you know, there, there's a reason why they're so popular. There's a reason why they become sort of ingrained into our, you know, into the pop culture consciousness so heavily. And it's because, first of all, there's so many of them in the group, <laughs> but they're, they're all great rappers. So like, you know, Method Man and, uh, you know, Raekwon and uh, ODB and, you know, Inspector Deck and, and, and RZA and Jizza, you know, just all on down the line, like all of them were just great rappers. And it's, you know, all of them so talented too. And I think about the trajectory of the group and how much respect they got in terms of, so you talk about that sign in your neighborhood or whatever. And, you know, people like um, Dave Chappelle having Wu-Tang on Chappelle's show. And, you know, you have old people throwing up, you know, Wu-Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. Yeah. Um, you know, like all, it's just, they get the cosign from so many p- famous people. So like, there's so many people who are listening to those, to their albums and who love them so much and love them enough to like put them when they became famous to, to include them on their stuff. Did you, did you watch 30 Rock? I've seen episodes of it. Yeah. So in the first season of 30 Rock, like Ghostface is in an episode. Um, Ghostface Killer also obviously remember Wu-Tang Clan, but there's a episode in the first season of 30 Rock where he like does a music video um, for, for Jack Donaghy and his, in uh, the champagne that Jack, Donaghy, um, like he bought like a champagne company or something like that. And like Ghostface is just in there. It's just, it's like, that's, that's the type of cultural relevance they have. And, you know, that's from, that episode was probably from like 2006. And so it's like, you know, however it's, you know, 13 years after this album, but they're still relevant. And their trajectories is so interesting to me because I think about how, you know, their most popular recognizable member probably is Method Man. And he's, I don't think he's the best rapper out of all of them. He might be, he's like probably the top two or three, uh, probably Raekwon is the best rapper out of them. But like Method Man is, you know, he's the most handsome out of all of them. And he's the most charismatic out of all of them. And he kind of, you know, he did solo records, obviously. And then he, he was like acting and stuff like that. And, you know, you don't expect and a, a group that's as like grimy as this and as, you know, um, and I say that in a good way, like grimy in the with the most up, with the utmost respect and the most pop- positive way possible. But the different members took such different paths, but they're all really successful. And it's all because of their talent, uh, not just as rappers, but just as entertainers. So it's just really cool to like listen to this and like listen again to their like sense of urgency while um while rapping and 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 kind of understanding the context of them um becoming legends off of their first album. This is really crazy. Agreed. I I feel like cause they all did their own thing like they've all kind of done their own thing and that's like another thing that was kind of interesting to me is that they did this and it was very successful and then they're like okay 
I mean, like they put out more music, but they've also been like, oh, let's explore other options. Yeah, like RZA like directs movies now. <laughs> like he's like he acted too, but now he like directs movies. He scores movies. Yeah. Um, you know, Method Man obviously became got into acting, and then um, you know, Ghostface too. <laughs> like all of them are just such like in like someone like Raekwon, who um, his so like he has just this classic album when he did Only Built for Cuban Links. Like that's also regarded as like a Hall of Fame hip hop album. So he has like two on his belt, like one as a member of Wu Tang Clan, and then one is a solo artist. And that's just again, it's just like a testament to how how talented they all are. Um, they're from Staten Island, or are they from Long Island? I need to look that up. I'm gonna look that up right now. They are from yeah, Staten Island. Just crazy, crazy thick New York accents in this. Like, that just really stands out to me, I guess, because it's so different from the way that I speak. Um, it's just, like... And again, it's, I think that it's, it's opening up a world to people who aren't from that area, but to, like, listen to how they speak and what they're talking about, like, it kind of, like, the storytelling aspect of it, where you're, you're getting a peek into a type of lifestyle that you're just not familiar with. I think that was also very appealing to people. What do you, what do you think about that? I think that, and I think that like, they're all, okay, not every single one of them because they're nine people. So there weren't nine stories being told on this, but um, nine people were contributing to telling a story. And there, there are times on the album where like they kind of ease up, but like, or not that they kind of ease up, but like they go between kind of telling their stories and then like um, kind of talking about like the the other life that would exist. So um, while still kind of being like, oh, this is the life we're living. And I guess that was impressive in it, but also like the sampling that they have on it. And then like, when I say like kind of the other life, how they are just like, oh yeah, we like kind of are influenced by like the name of the group, Wu-Tang Clan, like the, the influence from martial arts movie. Like yeah. I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. like I, it throws me off. Um, it, I'm like, oh, I didn't realize this was like a huge thing enough in like you know the 80s into the 90s to like influence a group name i mean i'll be like it's from movies that came out in the 70s but i'm just like wow okay um glad you all like kung fu movies again didn't think that would um play a role but like culture is important and like understanding different pieces of like how culture is building on itself so like they take influence from that and then you have all these other musicians and um yeah they they kind of take from Wu-Tang Clan and that's how they're building and it all starts from well one their life experience but two just them being like oh yeah we're gonna we we, we like these movies yeah I saw an interview with with Rizzo once and he was talking about like, you know, 
the influence of kung fu movies on him and his friends. And he, he talked about how as a black kid, your, you know, when you talk about your history or your, you know, you go generations back, like all you know is slavery. Like that's it. You don't really get to understand your connection to the African continent. And yeah. so he talked about how how influential it was for him to see martial arts movies and, and kung fu movies about um and some of them that were set like hundreds and or thousands of years ago where he could see like a, a rich history of 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 you know royalty or important people and they weren't white. You know, it wasn't he wasn't it wasn't like King Arthur or it wasn't, you know, the whitewashing of like Egyptian history. Um but it was, you know, it was people of color in these um really important stories and that really had an influence on him, obviously. And that's kind of where Wu Tang came from. And I think that there's a through line that you can kind of connect. I just thought about this too, between that, between them and ninety-three being obsessed with like Asian culture like that. And then to now where like a lot of young black kids watch anime. Um, yeah. Oh, and yeah. I, I was certainly one of those kids um, back in the day being really big into like Dragon Ball Z and, and Gundam wing. And um, yeah. So like that, that stuff was just real cool to me. And I think that there's some, some parallels there, parallels there. Well, and then kind of black culture, I guess depending on like which country you're talking about is Asia's huge continent, but Mm -hmm. um, like into a lot of just like black cultural things like hip hop and rap and um, style. So there's like that give and take where it's just like, yeah, no, it's fine. We're sharing. (laughs) It's just, we, we can have this, like we're going to watch your stuff. You're going to listen to our music. Like, um, that is not, you know, across the board. Like, you're, you, it's not like a shared thing where you have lots of young black children. Like, I would like to watch lots of British TV shows. Right. Like, it's just not the same. But, yeah, that's, that is a good parallel for, like, now, I, I would assume young black kids are still watching a lot of anime. I feel like anime is like super popular amongst young people. It is. Yeah. I just, I don't watch it as much anymore. I just don't watch a lot of TV anymore, honestly, but yeah, it was something I was really into in my like late elementary or into middle school days. Like I was super into it and it was just introduced to me um, through like Toonami. And I remember it used to come on Fox um, Dragon Ball Z used to come on Fox on Sunday mornings when I was really young, like when it was actually, you know, the summers after it would air in Japan. So by the time, like I'm in fifth grade in like 99. So by that time, the episodes I'm watching are actually like five years old. Cause I think Dragon Ball Z was on, on in Japan in like 94. But yeah, it's just, it's a, it's, it has an impact on you. And it informs your cultural tastes, I guess. So Yeah. Oh, yeah. I 100% agree with that. And, um, I mean, it's, yeah. 
a lot of things we consume when we're young. It, it's interesting to see how it plays out later in our lives. And for this group, um, it's very cool that it influenced the name of their group. Yeah. Um, do you, oh, go ahead. Now I was going to say, do you want to get into music box? Yeah. So I was going to ask that also. Um, yes. So music box, another 93 album. And it was not what I was expecting, but I want to hear what you have to, because like, I assume you listen to Mariah Carey also. I assume everyone listens to Mariah Carey. That might be a wrong assumption, but I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So like I said, like I was, I'm a child of the nineties and it didn't really get bigger than Mariah Carey in the nineties. Like she was just everywhere. She was probably, I mean, between her and Janet, like, I don't know, man. I don't know which one was more popular, but she, you know, Mariah Carey was at the top. She was um, just an extremely important figure in music and in pop culture in general. And listening to this album, it really made me think of like, this is kind of her last, so this is an album of basically like all ballads. Yeah. This is like almost a hundred percent ballads. And when I was, I mean, you know, I, I, it's like 97, 98, 99. So that's, I'm like eight, nine and 10. And she was really popular then. But by that time, like she, this is this. So this was released in 93. This is like the last kind of album before she kind of shifts her musical style. And the album that comes after this is Daydream and Daydream was just like a massive, massive, massive album. And I remember that album and the lead album from Daydream, I think was Honey. And um, no, 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 no. I'm thinking of, um, I'm thinking of uh, Butterfly. I'll get to Butterfly in a second. Fantasy. Fantasy is the, is the lead single from Daydream. And that's like one of my favorite songs. Fantasy is a perfect song. It is. It's a jam. Oh my god. It is. Yeah, it's a per- it's 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 a perfect song. And so fan and with fantasy and with the daydream album she kind of shifts into she starts letting hip hop influence her music a little bit more. Yeah. And this is so like Music Box to me is kind of like this is the last album of her like starting with like I don't know what the first album like I'm, whatever album Vision is Vision, Visions of Love was the single that she did. I don't know if that was the name of the of the album or not. That might've been the emotion. Hold on. Let me look really quick. Sorry. Y'all. I'm just doing the research in real time, but whatever. Uh, so it's the first vision. That's the name of the, no, that's a video, whatever. She has, she has the albums like visions of love and, um, you know, these, these power ballads and, you know, she's, she's, like giving people her vocal range. She's just like, you know, one of the great vocalists of all time, but this is kind of like that last album. This is kind of her last, um, this is kind of a relic of that era of her, which is just like the, the ballad vocalist, um, super well-respected singer. Not that she's not after this, obviously, but like after, after music box, she kind of goes into, kind of the hip hop arena and that even opens her up to an even bigger audience. So that's kind of what I thought about as I was listening to this album, because this album is a lot different than um, 
but then the one that comes after it and then butterfly butterfly was just another one a uh, a uh, uh, girl that i used to go to church with her name was tanya uh i just saw on instagram that it was her 42nd birthday the other day so shout out to tanya happy birthday but that kind of shows like she was in high school and she used to give me rides to school when i was like in fourth grade and she had the butterfly album in her in her cassette player in her car and like every day that she drove me to school she would listen to that album so and that was also that was even heavier in the hip-hop than daydream was so um yeah music box is like the last like i'm just gonna sing sing ballads and there's like a choir in the background and a lot of the songs like this is like the last type of album for her before she goes in a different direction so that's what i was thinking of when i listened to this one what did you think of when you were listening to uh, to this album. So the Mariah Carey album that like I have listened to probably the most is, um, Oh my goodness. It was the one that came out in like the, in the emancipation of Mimi. Yeah. 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 Um, so that one is like the one that I'm like, Oh yes, this is Mariah Carey. So this is what I expect. And like, you know, fantasy. I'm like, yes, this is also a jam. So listening to music box and it all being like, ballads and like kind of like a gospel-y feel mm-hmm. i was like oh yeah i didn't know that this was mariah carey's music style mm-hmm. <laughs> um before and i just assumed that she i mean obviously she has an incredible voice and she has amazing range but i'm just like yeah she probably just has always done just like poppy music kind of like um you know somewhat r&b hip-hop like sounding i was wrong um and yeah so yeah so listening to this was um wow it was just yeah. not it started um like with dream lover i'm like oh great this is gonna be like all just like super what i would perceive to be Mariah carey and i'm like oh every single song is another love song oh yeah yeah oh, here we go um not to say that it was not good i enjoyed it and like it was like i think she is incredible like her voice is incredible on it i would not have uh just picked this album for my day-to-day listening i'm like well this is a lot of feelings she's and you can feel it like i don't know a couple episodes ago we talked about like you hear the music and you like feel it in your soul like that Mm -hmm. like you do and i'm like okay i i know that this is one of those albums well, I think that there's a, a Janet parallel to make here in terms of what we were talking about a little bit ago, where it's like she's kind of this is the last one. And I've read this about her where she kind of wanted to take her music in a different direction. Like she wanted to take her music more in the hip hop direction around this time. And like the the record labels wouldn't let her mm. like they didn't. She she you know, she wanted to she was influenced by hip hop, obviously. And yeah, um, she wanted to do that. And she just didn't she wasn't granted the opportunity and so after this she kind of gets a little bit more control over the producers and um the writers that she's working with and you know this is to me this is almost just like her being like okay i'm gonna do this one last time i'll do this one last like ballad love song album for y'all and then i'm gonna do more of what i'm interested in um I don't want to just keep talking about other albums besides this one, but it, again, it's just like 
I, out of all of these people, and obviously I remember, I was, uh, obviously I remember Janet a lot. I'm a big Janet fan. I remember, you know, the the album after Rhythm Nation was her self-titled album. And um, there was uh, the song, That's the Way Love Goes. That's like the first music video that I remember watching. And that came out in 93. That came out the same year. Um, so I, I, I have a, a familiarity with these, with these artists, but like, yeah, like the, the, the daydreaming album was just so, that was, that was a big album. That was everywhere. The daydream album was just everywhere. And I remember that really vividly. And then butterfly after that. And those are just two very different albums than music box. So it's, it's, interesting to revisit this one because i don't i i remember dream lover obviously but i don't remember like this album as much as i remember the next two and part of that is because i was older and i was just more conscious of music and what i was listening to um certainly butterfly and honey because that video uh young me felt a lot of things watching her in that video so um pretty pretty important for me as a young person we won't get into that but I can't speak um, to the music video. I've never seen it. Um, I've really? seen the, yeah, no, there's never been a time that I'm like, oh, let me look up a Mariah Carey music video before like <laughs> we belong together. And even then I'm like, I don't, I, as much as I enjoyed the emancipation of Amy, um, the music videos, I was like, I just don't understand. Um, probably cause I just didn't super understand what I was listening to, but I still liked it. Um, I was like, this is great. Um, and so I imagine music box, like the, the music videos that probably came with that were just very, um, they were telling a story and it was probably a love story and it was probably just like, um, nothing exciting. Maybe I'm putting it onto this album. Maybe I'm being very rude, but, um, it strikes me as an album that like parents would listen to not my parents, but like someone's <laughs> parents like love this album. They're like, um, I love Mariah Carey. And like probably when she pivoted and was like, I want to do something else with my music. They were like, Oh my gosh. And they were clutching their pearls. Um, and like, I don't know, that's their opinion, but, and it, it's not to say like, I say all this and I don't mean that Mar- like music box is not a good album. It, again she's incredibly talented on it and like it's a very solid album and it sounds it sounds great but it is so much it's so different from like what i know that i'm just like what what's happening you know it's a very it's a very safe album yes yes very safe very you know love songs ballads you know we you know i let's make this relationship work. I miss you. I love you. Like, that's what it, that's like what every song yes. is. And that's yes. just, you know, that's a different type of music than what she does after this. Yes. So. And it's like the safest of these four albums. And that like Rhythm Nation's also like a pretty clean album. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure there were parents who like understood what Janet Jackson was saying, and what she was trying to communicate and what the album was for and they were like "Mm, this might not be for you 
and or for me or like whatever some people are like oh, i don't know and like absolutely there are people who are like listening to enter the wu-tang and they're like no i cannot like this is very violent at times um <laughs> so it's like we we got the range here with these four albums in terms of um who they are safe for and music box is safe for any company party yeah it's in like the elevator Christmas. yeah elevator music <laughs> like if you want to like not have just like canned weird music you play you play this album and it's good and like people are gonna like they're gonna be like oh that woman has a beautiful voice and then they'll carry on um and i guess another thing listening to it i thought of i've mentioned ariana grande at the beginning of this and like when she started making music i was like oh you make me think of mariah carey a little bit and so this album is also something that i could see like an ariana grande making probably not at this point i don't think she can go back from what she's last put out but like um that kind of feel where it's just like it's safe it's love songs and it's like the love songs directed a single person (laughs) Well, I think that she's definitely, you know, influenced by people like Mariah. Yes. And oh, by Whitney. Yes. And she, it's funny too, because she's just kind of like, I don't, how old is Ariana Grande? I think she's like 27. I think she's okay. like my age. Because, yeah, so I'm like, she, she's someone who probably, you know, in middle school, which is like for her, probably like, I don't know, like 2005 or 2006 or whatever. But she's like listening to yes. 90s Mariah Carey. Yes. And it's very influenced by that, like by, you know, the music that's released before she was born. So she's just like listening to that. Maybe her parents listen to that. And so like, that's what she kind of grew up on. Yeah. That was kind of the same way. My parents are like older than I am. My, my dad is 41 years older than I am. So I'm listening to music from like a generation before me. As I'm growing up. Yes. Um, so I'm guessing that that's what kind of what her, um, that's kind of what her experience was like. Cause you can definitely, um, you can definitely see the influence. Yes. But yeah, it's, 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 listening to this, I just, I couldn't help but think about like the, the Mariah Carey that I'm used to from my childhood, which is like fantasy and, you know, um, even when going into like late elementary school, middle school, um, like the, whatever album that Heartbreaker is on, the song she did with Jay-Z, um, Rainbow, I think is that album. So like that, um, it's, it's more hip hoppy. It's more, um, it's less safe than, than what this is. So I, but I can certainly understand from your perspective, if you're used to that too. And then you listen to this, you're just like, wow, this is kind of, it's like very buttoned up, straight laced. Yes, yes. That like, that describes it very well, where it's like, oh, um, you just have to, there's something going into like Rhythm Nation. I knew what to expect for Janet Jackson. I was like, it's going to be like dance music because that like, she's a performer, like a a well-rounded performer. She's not about to put out an album that's just like straight power ballads like that's not about to happen um and like looking up de la soul i was like okay it's like a hip-hop group okay i i know what to expect 
Wu-Tang Clan, I, like, I am well aware. <laughs> and so then Mariah Carey, like, yeah, I uh, mentally just wasn't there. And so I listened through it a couple of times and was like, wow, this was, like, this is good. But this is the gospel choir. Wow. Didn't, I didn't realize she did music that was like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty, uh, yeah, pretty interesting experience listening to this one. Yes, but we, we kind of spread the gamut with the these albums, so it was it was good. It I mean, for folks listening, like definitely check them out. Yes. Um, and now you know what to expect with them. Yeah. <laughs> at the at very minimum. Um, do you want to get into the like different categories? Do you have any other thoughts on these albums? No, let's get into the categories. Okay. Um, for Rhythm Nation, what did you think was the best song? Uh, it, it's, it's a testament to how good this album is that I was torn on this, but I had to go with Miss You Much. Miss You Much is maybe my favorite Janet song. Okay. And I just, I love it. It's, I love like the little key change in the beginning. Like it's exuberant. It's like, I just, I love that song. What did you pick? I picked state of the world because that was the one that like kind of made me stop when I was like, Oh, this is what I'm listening to. Great. I love mm-hmm. this. I love this commentary. Um, I mean, there, I'm sure there are plenty of songs that do have a commentary and I'm like, well, if, you, if people can't pick up on it, if a stupid person cannot pick up on it, what is the point at this point? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. What did you pick for the worst song from rhythm nation? To me, this is like the only like bad song on the album. So I did Someday is Tonight. And it's really small C. You know how I feel about small C. Yep. Um, I just uh, didn't like, I think there's a part where um, it's like kind of storming in the background, maybe. It's kind of like a quiet storm type song, which I like quiet storm uh, when it's done well. But if it's not done well, then it, you turn out with something like this. So that's what I, that's what I picked. What did you pick? I also picked that song someday is tonight and i was like mm, this is this is the type of 80s song that i'm like uh yeah yeah pass so yeah what about most singable what did you do i picked rhythm nation because it seems like the song that i'm like this is what i would put on like if i went out r.i.p <laughs> right, yeah. and this song came on it would be a song that i feel like people would get up dance and sing what song it's did you good, pick? It's Ooh. a good pick. I did um, Love Will Never Do Without You. I was It was in the running with best song, but okay. I, I put it on this because I've been humming it ever since I listened to it. Oh, nice. Um, I, and I just, I love this song. It's an incredible song. Most underrated, what did you do? I picked Living in a World because I, that one, to me, it was like very explicit that she's talking about kids and like, the terrible world we make for them and then they have to deal with it um cleaning up other people's messes basically and i'm like this is a song that probably should have gone out into the world for people to just be smacked in the face yeah um so yeah what did you pick for the most underrated song i picked the knowledge it's good i uh yeah just you know gotta get the knowledge um it's this is a very industrial song um with the you know just the the sound of it the feel of it but it's you know it's it's a good example of what you're talking about in terms of a song that you can jam to but it also has a message so very good 
Uh, Three High and Rising. Yes, best song. I uh, did. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. I did. Uh, Me, myself, and I. Uh, it's a uh, you know. It's this is you know. It's an all time hip hop song. It's my favorite De La song, which is basic because it's one of the singles. But whatever, I love it. Um, it's a good song. Yeah, it samples um samples George Clinton, um, Parliament Funkadelic. Great, great, great song. What did you What did you pick for best song? I picked I Know because it was the song that I was like, oh, this is so fun um, and just enjoyed it. I mean, I enjoyed a lot of the songs. I don't <laughs> want it to sound like I did not, but that one I was like, oh, this is great. It's a good song. Yeah. What did you pick for the worst song? This is like a little interlude, so it barely it barely qualifies, but I did De La Orgy. It's the weird one where they're just like having an orgy. Don't like that. I should have picked that. <laughs> <laughs> I picked take it off because I was like, I don't I, I get where you're going with this, but I don't like the execution of this. Any song that has, and I think this is also on some days tonight, but like I don't like songs where it's like it's like fake sex happening in the song. It's just awkward. I hate it. There is a song that Janet does, um, I think on the Velvet Rope that has that too. And it's just like which is a different it's a later album, um, but I just don't like it. It's weird. It's awkward. It's not great. Yeah, it's not like it's not like you want to like sit in your car and listen to yeah. it. You don't really want to listen to it while you're like doing anything. Yeah, basically, if a song cannot be listened to in any situation, like why is it? Why does it exist? Yeah, hmm. it's not great. No, no, no. Um, for most singable, what did you pick? I did me myself and I again. And that's basically because I know all the lyrics to it because <laughs> I sing it a lot. So that's what I did. <laughs> it's a what fun you... song. I picked that song also most single yeah. because it's fun. It is. It's great. Easy lyrics. Great beat. Yeah. I love it. Yes. What did you pick for most underrated? I picked Daisy Age because like it almost sounds like poetry to me. I'm like, oh, I like this. I don't normally like this style, but I enjoy this. And I feel mm-hmm. like this was executed very well and should kind of get applause for it. Mm-hmm. What did you pick for most underrated? I picked Tread Water. Um, that's just like the storytelling aspect of it. Like mm-hmm. it's very, it's deep. It's um, kind of introspective and it, it has something to say. So that's why I did Tread Water. Enter the Wu-Tang. Man. A lot of great songs on this one. What'd you pick for best song? I picked Can't It Be All So Simple. It was a song that didn't make me scared in my car while I listened to it. <laughs> <laughs> like, as when we get to the worst song, I'll continue to talk about how I'm very soft. But yeah, um, yeah I, I liked it. I liked the message. Like, overall, I their songs all have a message and I'm like, yes, I like that. You're like, you're saying something. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that one. What song did you think was the best song? Uh, Protect your neck. It's one of their iconic songs. Yep. It's just, it's, I love that song. It's great. Um, I mean, I, what can be said about that song that hasn't already been said, it's just a great song. Protect your neck. 
What did you do for Worst Song? Um, Method Man. And because of the way it starts. Um, I knew it. I knew you would say that. <laughs> so many songs. So lots of their songs start with, you know, like a dialogue or something happening. So like mm-hmm. it helps because they're telling, it's storytelling. I get it. It's important. It's significant. Whatever. This one starts so like graphically yeah. violent. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at first I'm like, what did I did I just hear that and it like gets worse like it progressively gets worse and I'm like um I feel unsafe but then the song starts and it's fine but I you know can't I cannot with how it starts this is this is an example to me of like what we were talking about earlier where it's just like they're, they're, it's just like their youth like yes. they're just it's just these young these two young dudes like friends is like going back and forth and saying like the most ridiculous like yes shit. yeah and i have like, to no. oh well this is just because i just have to because we usually agree on this this is a great song <laughs> it's a it's a great song and i get i, I get what you're saying i get what I you're know. saying it is a good song. song this is like this is almost one of the most singable i mean most singable we you both know what most singable is, but this is just like the great I, I agree with that. The, man. Like this is this is great. But go ahead. I understand why you did it though. I'm not gonna hate on you. I, I get it. Like if they could just cut and but you like that's the problem is you can't just be like, oh yeah, I'll just take part of the song out. So yeah, listen like start the song after that, and it's a it is a very good song once yeah. you get through that. Um, what'd you pick for the worst song? I picked Seventh Chamber. Not I mean it's just. I don't think that there are any bad songs on this album. This is just one that I don't return to um, the most. So that's why I put it, but it's not a bad song. I just don't like, um, this isn't one that I, it's not one of my favorites. So that's why I, I put that. it. I feel that. Most singable. We, I mean, we just got to say it all the time. We both know what it is. It's this, we got the same. It's cream. Cash rules everything around me. It's, this is it, man. Like this, that's, that's the song. Yeah. That's, you know, probably their most famous song so i had a instructor in college who was like it's cream and we're like what are you because it was this like middle-aged very white man Mm -hmm. he's like cream cash rules everything around me and that sticks with me in life (laughs) (laughs) and then i was like oh my god you're quoting yeah (laughs) oh again that's how popular they are it's crazy I i know if like just random English instructors in Wyoming know about it. Mm-hmm. It must be, must be it. Uh, what did you pick for the most underrated song? I picked Tears. That's just kind of, it's the only song on the album that's really like emotional. And they're like, it's their storytelling, but talking about, you know, people that they came up with and who have like, um, who've gotten killed. And this is another one where we talk about like the AIDS um, virus and how, um, impactful it was back then like this is they tell an- another story <laughs> about a guy i'm not i'm i'm laughing for a reason there's a guy who um one of the they're telling a story about their guy their friend who got um who, who like contracted hiv basically but like <laughs> rapping and he's like there's a part in the song where he's talking about he basically says like um you know their friend had sex with this girl unprotected and then he contracted aids right but the line is like he says something like, you know, he went he went to the room 
20 minutes later, he comes out, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, damn, like, that's a good friend. Like, you could have said, like, you went in the room, like, two minutes later, he came out. He's like, no, he's 20 minutes. I'm like, damn, like, that's a good friend. I mean, yeah, he has HIV now, which sucks, but hey, good for you. Good, good friend to, to give him that hype. It's <laughs> what true. Did you, it's true. <laughs> what did you put for most underrated? I picked the mystery of chess boxing. Um, just because like listening to it, I was like, man, this is, this is pleasant also. Well, pleasant's relative. This is a good song <laughs> that yeah, right. I was like, this should, this should deserves like more recognition. Yeah, this is a good song. This is, to me, this is one, one of the albums that don't, that doesn't have a bad song. I, I agree with that. We're like overall, like it is a, it's a front to back. You can listen to this album. Yeah. And if this is your kind of music, if this is like your bread right, and butter, right, this, right. this is a perfect album. Right. Um, the casual listener, this is an album that you have to listen to. Like anyone who yeah. is like, oh yeah, I like, I want to listen to music outside of what I normally listen to. Like this is a, the album to be like, oh yes, I want to understand like some New York, like rap and hip hop. Like you, you want to listen to this. Yeah, for sure. For music box, what did you pick for best song? I picked hero because it just like shows Mariah Carey's range so well. What'd you pick? I picked dream lover. First song. Single. It's a good opener. It's a great song. One of her best songs. Great song. Mm-hmm. What'd you pick What'd for you the pick? worst song? I picked Never Forget You. Again, Smaltzy. Mm. A lot, there's a lot of Smaltz on yeah. this album, to be real. Yes. <laughs> it's, 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 this is a tough one in terms of the Smaltz, which you know I don't like. Because um, th- there's a couple that could have gone into this one. But yeah, I picked Never Forget You. What did you pick? I picked Now That I Know because it just like... Mm. It doesn't yeah. sit well with me. Like now, I know I can be myself. What the no? Yeah. What yeah. are you high? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, yeah. It's tough. It's like, a tough album in a lot of ways. <laughs> that, like, it's like oh, this is a safe album, but like it, by it being safe, it then has some problems. Yeah, I agree. Hard agree. Oof. For most singable, what'd you do? I picked Dream Lover because it is like probably the most. It's the fastest song on the album. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, I can sing this at karaoke and not have people like boo me. Whereas, like, you sing in any of these other like super love songs, like people are gonna throw things at you. No one at karaoke wants to hear, um, hero sung by you know, your casual peasant. So yeah. To you, what's most singable. I also did dream lover. I'm looking at our list now and it's crazy. Like our last three, um, we all, we both agreed for most singable. Yeah. I, I feel bad when I do best and most singable is the same. I do that a lot. And I feel like it's like, it seems like I'm being lazy, but I just, I just, I don't know. I think that there's something to be said about that. Like, Ideally, like the best songs should be something that people like want to sing along yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. Unless it's, I think like in a, like Kendrick Lamar last week, like yeah. that's where you can be like, yeah, every song is really good. 
Right. And the most singable song might not even be the best song on the album, but right. it's still yeah. really good. Yeah, I agree. Um, what'd you put for most one underrated? I put all I've ever wanted. Like it's still like one of those very love song ballads, but it's like it's acceptable. And I'm like, this is one that I could like, if it came on on the radio, I'd be like, ah, oh, this is good. It's almost like we belong together, but like, I mean, not in sound at all that it's not similar, but like where it is a slower song that you're like, this is fine. We'll listen mm-hmm. to it. And it like should have gotten more promotion. Um, which song did you pick for most underrated? I did music box, the title track. Um, you know, it's one of those where it's kind of a slower one. I mean, it's a ballad like like most of them, but I still liked it. I just, I don't know. I actually didn't mind this one comparative to some of the other ones because it, it sounds like we're just shitting on this album, but it's just, it's tough. Like, it's just all, I can only take so many ballads in a row. So I, I feel that. And I think this is the only, this album might have gotten the most, like, not hate, like, it's a fine album. Yeah. But, like, of any of the albums that we've talked about, this is the one that we're like, ooh. Yeah. It's rough. It's, you know, 93 wasn't like the year of music, I don't think. Well, music that we would want to talk about. Yeah. Um, 93 was the year of the NBA. It's true. That is true. It's a good time. Um, But overall... Good selection. Folks can go listen. This was a lot of fun. And I'm, yes. I'm, I'm glad that we did this one. And I'm excited to do our next one, too, because um, it's they are going to be different albums, I'm guessing, than, than any of the ones that we've different types of albums than any of the ones that we've done so far. Yes. And it, it's just it'll be cool to talk about them. What do we you, you want to say what we're doing next? I do. I'm very excited for what we're going to do next. We will not be confined to one year of life, yes. yeah. um, which will probably help it out a lot. Um, and I bet it in like leading up to probably the most recent, the college and post-college episodes. Like, I feel like the albums that you're going to, we're going to talk about next will somewhat inform those in yeah. some way. So we're going to talk about albums that came out before we were born. At any point. So that means anything before 89 and 93. That's a a world of so much music. I'm very excited. Um, I think it's going to be very fun. It's, I think it's going to be fun to do like the deep dives into the different musicians and then like see kind of connecting them um, to even the music we talked about today, like these albums, like how I, just going based off of the last couple episodes where like things still kind of play into each other. So I think it'll be a really good discussion and some really fun music. Do you know what you're going to pick? I don't, I know one of the artists that I'm going to do one of their albums, but I don't know which album. And then I don't know the second one yet. Do you know what you're doing? I have no idea, but I'm very excited to pick something. (laughs) Yeah, me too. We hope that you will join us for our next episode because we have, um, we have some work to do in the next, however, I guess day, I'm sure we'll, we'll figure out what we're going to listen to, but it's going to be going to be a good journey for this next episode. So, so stay tuned for that one. And it'll be what we close this out with because it'll be last the seventh episode. It will. Do you want to do, should we do a, a mailbag episode after the next one? 
we can definitely do a mailbag episode. So start getting your questions ready. Um, if it's about one of the albums we talked about, or if you feel that we, if you're a Mariah Carey fan and you're like, you just shit all over Mariah yeah, Carey. No, like, you're not going to like this episode. <laughs> <laughs> like, Sorry that you listened this far in and then you're like, man, don't send us hate mail. We're like, sorry. We like the newer Mariah Carey music. Yeah, Mariah sure. Carey likes the newer Mariah Carey yeah. music. Man. <laughs> Tough one. Sorry, yeah. music box. <laughs> but we'll talk to you all next week. See you all. Thanks. <laughs>